Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. SEN Test Cricket for Host Plus and Industry Super Fund for all Australians. Uh, the scoreboard is illuminating because it is so gloomy and it is pouring rain. Four for 475. No play yet on Jane McGrath Day and I'm a little fearful that we mightn't see any but it is such a great cause to be involved with. You can help the McGrath Foundation make this NRMA insurance pink test one to remember by your virtual pink seats at pinktest.com.au. We saw earlier on that more than 146,000 virtual seats had been sold and more than $2.8 million has been raised already and today's the big push on that front. But as far as the cricket goes, we're in a, a state of suspended animation. We've got the Prime Minister who's going to join us uh, across this next hour and a bit. Shane Watson is due in as well for a chat. And then we might even do some midday madness, I reckon. We should take advantage of the fact that, that Dwayne is part of the broadcast team here and give you an hour and 20 minutes to work yourselves up around all sorts of things, cricket and other sports alike. So we, we might play a little bit of midday madness just for fun when we hit 12 o'clock. On day three of each test match across this summer, we have spoken with Todd Greenberg, who is the Chief Executive of the Australian Cricketers Association. Todd, great to see you in Sydney. Well... Uh I'd love to tell you that we're going to watch some cricket today, Jared, but um, something tells me that you're going to have a number of interviews and not a lot of action on the field. I'm, I'm actually quite disappointed being a Sydney boy myself and a New South Welshman who continually gives Melbourne a bit of a hard time about their weather, but I think I'll need to put that in the back pocket at the moment. <laughs> so the rain is one thing. The bad light is the other. How, yeah. how did you take in the debate, particularly from the former players who used to be in these yeah. positions and were, I think, notorious for appealing against the light, and the modern-day <laughs> players... Uh, who were probably upholding the great tradition and coming off the field a little bit too much on day one. Yeah. I, I want to acknowledge, though, there was a much greater willingness from everybody yesterday yeah. to stay on the field for longer. Yeah, look, my first uh, instinct sitting here on day one was absolute madness that we're leaving the field. Um, the game, the sport, cricket needs to be better and understand. I said this to you last time we were together. What business are we in? We're in the entertainment business, and it's 2023. Um, we can do a lot of things around the world. How do we not find a way for technology to get a ball that's available for the batter to see properly? Now, that currently doesn't exist. So that's why we come off, because it's not safe. But surely, surely between all of the great minds in cricket, we can come up with something that does. Because there's literally 35,000 people who've travelled vast distances to be here on day one, and they missed out, not to mention the hundreds of thousands watching globally on TV. So... Oh, it's just not good enough, is it? Is there a willingness to take that up? I mean, it's been the eternal question in mm. cricket around the development of the the pink ball, which mm. from memory started as orange and then it's been through a few iterations. The players still don't really like the pink ball that's used no. in day-night test cricket. No. Is there an actual willingness and drive to see if this might one day be resolved? Well, I think there has to be a willingness because we just can't keep doing what we did on day one, which is just walk off when the lights are on. I mean, you're sitting around people who aren't lovers of the game. They like the game, and they're maybe coming for their first experience. They cannot understand how cricket can be played day-night with lights on. The lights are on, but we're not playing. And when you explain to them the nuances of test cricket and the ball and all those sort of things, 
I mean, the short answer is we've got to find some better solutions. And maybe we need to invest some money into research and development to find a way forward because we have to do this for the future of the game. Do you know whether there was an issue with the lights here at the SCG? Not that I'm aware of, no. Not that I'm aware of at all. It, it was rather odd that at a floodlit stadium, mm. uh, it wasn't sufficiently light to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. and it, it feels so counterintuitive, doesn't it? That you, we've come here uh, for big bash games and one day internationals under lights at nine o'clock at night. Um, so, my my, sh- my short answer on the instinct on this is we've got to find a solution to keep our players on the ground. Obviously, we need to be safe, particularly for the batters when they're facing, you know, deliveries of 150 k's and above. But surely, in the modern world that we live in, we can find a solution to this. Do you know whether there needs to be an adjustment over time with player attitude? So definitely in the BBL, from the moment it came mm. in, we've played through sweeping rain, and mm. there's there is a w- absolute yeah. willingness. That, and sometimes it's been a little bit absurd, but there's mm. been a willingness to play and to make sure the game gets finished. But in test cricket, it's always been a bit more precious. Yep, it's true. Absolutely. And, and players have a role in that. And um, my view on these things, is if you communicate really well with players and you explain the why, uh, you don't tell them, but you explain the why, you explain the reasons, you get into understanding and you have genuine conversations with them, there's almost nothing they won't do. Um, but you've got to bring them on the journey. Um, you've got to sit with them and discuss with them and make them feel part of it. And this goes right back to what we've talked about a few times over summer, you and I, about the players being partners in the game. Um, it's not a master-servant relationship here. So bringing the players on that journey, having conversations with them, explaining them the reasons why it's important is probably the most important thing we can do. The other live issue in the player group at the moment is the, the run-out at the non-strikers end. So mm. my first question, before we delve into that... Mm. I think it's really important that the language change here and that Mancat is not used. And it's, I feel, so there are two groups. Yep. One is my media and we're no good at it. Yep. So we need to actually really think about that. But two is the players themselves. Yep. Could you drive potentially through the association the the sentiment to remove that that name because it's a player's name and it's not fair to that family? It isn't. No, I completely agree with you. And... Look, I've been a bit frustrated over the last 24, 48 hours hearing people talk about it as a debate. I don't think it's a debate. I think it's very black and white. It shouldn't be the word mancat, and I agree the players have a role in eradicating that term. It's a run out at the non-striker's end. Uh, in a game played where centimetres and inches and millimetres at times make a difference, if the onus of responsibility is on the bowler to stay behind the line at the point of delivery, then the onus of responsibility should be on the batter to do similar. And if he doesn't do that, there's got to be consequences. And that's what the umpires are there for. I think it's as simple as that. But I do, I take your point that players have a huge opportunity to change language and tone. And that correlates right down through participation. Because this is not just an issue at the elite level that we see here. It will be an issue in an under-12s game on Saturday. And it will put parents and volunteers under huge pressure if they don't see what's happening at the elite level. We know that the kids at that level replicate what happens on the field. So we have a huge opportunity and responsibility as the elite players to make sure we change that. So language is important, tone's important, and an understanding that when you break rules, there are consequences. So could you um, could you quantify the attitudes of the player group as a collective, or is there still a bit of a divide? It was really interesting. So mm. when Adam Zampa did what he did, he's the captain of the team, mm. and he clearly wanted, he signaled to the umpire mm. that he wanted this to be out. Mm. And then his coach a little later on, I think trying to, yeah, um, dampen it all down. So that's yeah. not the way we play cricket. Yeah, so yeah. we still we're still yeah. lost in this yeah. ethical debate around what is should be 
a, a totally legitimate dismissal. Yeah, completely. And, and, and again, this comes back to good, solid communication on these issues. I mean, I haven't seen a player uh, nick one on a no ball and then walk off saying, oh, I was close enough, you know, front yep. foot, I'm not got no problems with that. And it's exactly the same thing when you think about it. So, you know, I don't think we should be having a debate about it. What we should be having a discussion about is language and tone and making sure that those sorts of things are well understood by batters and bowlers. Because as you know, uh, cricket's a team game made up of individuals and batters think differently to bowlers yep. occasionally from time to time. So we need to bring them all on that journey. So when the batter gets run out at the non-striker's end, mm. uh, are they going to be dirty about it? Well, they shouldn't be because it's their mistake to go past the line. And that's the, that's the discussion we need to have. And, and sometimes in a role like mine, you don't have to agree with everybody. And, and I don't always agree everything that we say to our players. You know, I'm not there as a sycophant to say whatever you say goes. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations. And sometimes you have to square up players and say this is what's better for the game. And, and on this occasion, I'd be saying to all of those players and coaches and former players is if you stay behind the line, we don't have to worry about yes. this conversation. If you're not looking for a distinct advantage, we don't have this conversation. And, and that needs to relate back to participation because it's exactly the same things. If young kids are seeing their heroes do it in this game, then they'll replicate that on Saturday morning. Equally, if they stay behind the line there, guess what they'll do on Saturdays? They'll do the same thing. And players are taught to change the bat, make sure they've got eyes on the ball at the non-striker's end. They're taught to move with the bowler. And I think we've lost some of that nuance. Um, People are taking an advantage when they shouldn't be. And there should be consequences for actions. How will it become normalised in the game? Because when Adam Zampa did it, A, he didn't know the rule, which was, I think, mm. illuminating for everybody. Yeah. We're all the wiser for what happened there. Yeah. But he was booed by the MCG crowd when he came out to yeah. bat. Yeah. So that the, there was a portion of the public. Now, yeah. I, I can't measure how significant. There's no. a portion of the public that goes, no, that's not how that's cricket not is cricket. Played. That's, yeah, right. that's right. So how yeah, will yeah. we ever? Yeah. I presume over a series of years in T20 cricket, this yeah. will normalise. But I'm just not sure exactly yeah. how and when. Yeah, and and I think your initial point in this conversation is right. The players have a role in this in order to potentially fast track it. It shouldn't be just incumbent on the media because um, I don't think the media are doing a great job of it either by continuing to call it mancat. Uh, but the players have a huge role in this and. Part of it's an evolution, but part of it is just simply adhering to the rules and making sure the industry understands the consequences that go with it. Um, the spirit of cricket stuff, you know, like, I mean, the spirit of cricket is not taking an unfair advantage. Yes. That's, that's the real spirit of cricket. Um, it's so interesting. It is. It's been a fascinating conversation, and, the, you know, the public are into it. Um, but it's also a reminder for me, Jared, in all sports. It happened in my former sport in rugby league where I saw players not understand rules. Yes. Uh, and commentators and media not understand specific rules. It happens in cricket too. Um, not to mention, God, you wouldn't want to talk about golf. I mean, none of us understand the rules when you're playing golf. But, um, you know, in cricket, there's still some rules that people genuinely don't understand. Yeah. Um, so, again, education of the rules is important too. It feels to me like the BBL has restored its purpose. Mm. Every mm. night it's providing something that the next morning yeah. we're just buzzing yeah, about. It's talkability the next day people are talking about. And they're also talking about players they either don't know very well, maybe haven't heard of either, which is a great thing. Um, it's been really good to watch some of those games um, and the change of a T20 game in a BBL over the course of five or ten minutes is unbelievable. Yep. So I'm really pleased about that, uh, really pleased that we've seen it come to life again. The, the real challenge for all of us, players included here, is we've got to lean in and continue to develop it, make sure our best players are playing it for the next few years to, 
sort of get it back to where we want it to be. Do you have any theory as to why it's suddenly back to what it was oh. after some pretty dormant years? I'd love to tell you I did have yeah. a theory on this, but I, I couldn't I couldn't honestly look you in the eye and tell you I did. Um, I think the quality of the cricket's been great. Um, and ultimately, in every tournament, in any league, in any sport, if you get the best players playing um, and you get them in the right conditions um, and they play their best at that format, you get great outcomes. I've just seen some great cricket being played, and I think the fans have enjoyed that. It's so interesting that it's come at the time where the yeah. new DTV yeah. um, rights have been done, and it, it's gone back to truncated, which I think most of us thought was the right yeah. strategy. Yeah. And yet you look at it now and go, well, if it's going to be that good, do you really <laughs> want to bring it back? What, what yeah. do you think of the decision to yeah. bring it back to 43? Look, uh, I think um, scarcity can be your friend, not your foe. Um, and what I mean by that is a reduction in games potentially will bring a greater level of focus and yield to each of those games. Um, so we didn't have a problem with that. Um, we thought that was probably going to be the outcome, and ultimately it is. Um, you know, again, the best sporting leagues around the world um, have scarcity as part of that. If you look at the NFL, every game matters. You know, and I know you're an NFL fan. So um, I'd like to think that's where we can get to <laughs> in saying that, though, that the, the proposition of watching more of the BPL over the course of the next few weeks is pretty enticing because yeah. it's, it's good to watch. What sort of boost do you think the Australian, the bulk of the Australian players going back to their teams will be? Um, I think it will be significant. Um, I think uh, the the discussion about after this test match about the, let's call them the big boys, uh, coming back to their teams, uh, will create another layer, another dimension to the final part of the BBL, which is really what it's enticed to do. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys play. Uh, and I know they're looking forward to it as well. I mean, every player sitting in that dressing room today with not much to do will be talking about the BBL today yeah. um, because they're all watching it just like we are as fans. What was the overall view from the ACA on the, the television rights deal that was announced? Um, well, first and foremost, we're pleased that it's done um, and it does give you certainty. Um, I haven't had a specific briefing by, let's call them the financial boffins, to genuinely understand the metrics inside the deal. But on the, the headlines I've been given... Our only concern would be it's a very long period of time. So understanding, you know, CPI and inflation versus what's proposed in this deal is something I need to understand better. Um, you know, I should acknowledge, first of all, on behalf of the players, the contribution of partners like Foxtel and Channel 7 um, are valued highly by players. Players know that people like Patrick Delaney and Steve Crawley at Fox and, you know, the, the team at 7, they're, they're people that love cricket and they've, they've invested in cricket. So the players appreciate that level of commitment and, and will repay that with great performances on the field. Um, our focus really now that this is done uh, is to understand the numbers and complete an MOU with our priorities, which is very much about growing the BBLs we've already talked about, um, driving hard on the next iteration of gender equity um, because we're leading every other sport at the moment in gender equity, and, but we can't take that for granted, so we've got to keep going. We've got to keep finding new opportunities and making sure that parity becomes part of our vocabulary. And hopefully this deal allows us to take the next step in that. Acknowledging what you just said, can I crassly ask, did it sell for enough? Was it enough of an uplift from contract to contract? Look, I don't think it's ever enough. Um, you know, we, without being more than obvious, we're always hoping for more. Um, uh, but I'm not in the middle of those negotiations, so I can't be critical. Um, but... Cricket Australia will know, just like we do, that we work and live in a very competitive global environment. So there needs to be enough money generated domestically in order to ensure our very best players play domestically 
and we confront the challenges of global um, global cricket. And that's happening. Um, that's not new news from, from me. Uh, everyone is aware of this challenge. Um, none better evidence as recent deals in the IPL, and we're going to have the same challenges for our female players who are going to be enticed to play in tournaments all over the world and have strong commercial remuneration that goes with that. Is it right that a that a player with COVID is playing in this test match? It is, and it's a good sign. It's a good signal that normality is returning. We're following, you know, federal and state guidelines on all these sort of things, but we are being prudent and trying to ensure not everyone gets it in an environment like we're in. But comparing it to when we were in Adelaide almost 12 and a bit months ago and our skipper had to miss a test match because he met someone in a close contact to now seeing... Matt Renshaw sit on the sidelines waiting to go on. I mean, it's a bit sad in some respects that he's sitting there so isolated, but in some respects it also is an indication of both the sport and the country that we've moved on. Um, I think that's a really positive thing. And again, it's an opportunity to demonstrate that to our communities more broadly that this is how we play. And the mechanism within the game is if his health deteriorates, yeah. he's able to sub out. Completely. And that rule's a good rule because if he is ill, and let's face it, some people get very ill with COVID and some people don't. Uh, Matt seems to be okay, so he can keep playing. And knowing him, it's his first chance to play Test cricket for a while, so he's going to have to be very, very ill not to bat. Yes. Um, so he wants that opportunity, and he's worked hard to get it. So I think it's a it's a good sign that you know the the restrictions on people and players have, have moved into a different sphere, which is pragmatic and common sense. The other joyous event at this test so far has been the unveiling of the Belinda Clark yeah. statue yesterday. Yeah, yeah. How significant a moment do you think that is? Yeah, it's very important. It's probably, you would say, long overdue. Um, but the thing that gave me uh, a smile yesterday was seeing her amongst some of her former teammates standing around that trophy and looking at the reaction from them on what it meant um, and seeing young girls this morning, even in the rain, walking past it and having pictures with it. Um, it's a very, very important step forward, not only for cricket, but for the ground itself here at the SCG. It's a great moment. The, the summer as a whole, so I'm going to come away from this summer, A, thinking this is a brilliant Australian team, and B, and it takes us back to the very first conversation, this is a thoroughly yeah. likeable yeah. Australian team. Yep. In fact, I think it's a lovable Australian team. So there will be those who will be anchored in the past, and that is absolutely their yep. right. Yep. But... From where we started, where there was that open question, does the public love its cricket team, mm. to where we're going to finish? Have, have you got a view now? Um, my view is probably a little skewed because I know them all personally. And yeah, so yeah. Um, they are absolutely ripping people. And what you see is really what you get. Um, that's why I have such admiration for them. And I want the public to have that admiration for them. But I'm conscious they have to make that decision themselves. Um, I think they're, as you've just said, a really good group and I think that likability has improved over summer and the more you see of them and the more you see the way they engage um, I mean we're just about to launch the next um, documentary and I was just watching some clips this morning and one of the questions was you know in light-hearted humor to one of the players to the players was what's your favorite ground and Usman answers that by saying could you oval you know the beautiful ground just around the corner from here where he played great cricket that's his favorite ground yep. and then it's it's hard not to like him when he says things like that, you know, because I know I know in talking to him that is his favourite ground. He tells talks to me about that. Um, so they are, you know, high quality people. Um, there's a lot of kids around this dressing room too. If you walk around the dressing room on days like today, there are literally young kids running around everywhere. Yep. Um, and the fascinating part is most of the players' kids idolise another player. They don't idolise their own father. 
So it's hilarious when you see it. Not even the favourite well, yeah, player in the family. When you see David Warner's children, they want to talk to Manus. Um, so it's 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 a great environment, um, and uh, they're playing great cricket, but they're also great people. So are they showcased in the right way? And and maybe the, so the test the first time around, mm. I think was a it was a love letter to to Justin Langer and to Tim Payne. Yeah. Who, were bo- who both left in acrimonious circumstances. Yeah. So this is the, the next iteration. I think it was January 13 or 14? 14. 14. That it, um, 13, that it comes out on uh, Prime Video. Yep. Um, so, so that's a subscription service. Do you think each individual is... So there, the stories within this team, so Scott Boland's Indigenous story, yep. Usman Khawaja's multicultural yeah, yeah. story, yeah. Um, is, is enough done? Are we about to experience that? Could more be done? What, what's your view to connect well, us to our players? Yeah, I think this is a great start, but I would say there's definitely more to be done. And, you know, the players um, have had these uh, stories being told for a number of months. This um, next documentary takes last year's Ashes series through to Pakistan, which I was on the beginning of that tour. And there's literally a camera in every place at every time to obtain the sort of footage to give people access behind the scenes. And the stories, I mean, I've watched the episode on Scotty Boland's debut last year at the MCG, and I've watched the episode where, and I was there in the room when when Usman stood in front of the team before the first test in Pakistan and talked about, passionately talked about why it was so important that Australia were playing in Pakistan and what it meant to him and what it would mean to the people sitting there in that stadium to watch the Australian players play. Um, These are great stories that, we want to tell and in the modern world of all sports where more stories are being t- told and we get people behind the scenes to understand people as well as players this is the next step of that but I'm sure there's more we can do uh, in fact I'd love there to be more we can do because there are so many great stories um, and it might not just be about our current players there's probably some unbelievably good stories rich stories some probably can't be told <laughs> of our former players as yep. well so um, storytelling is very important. So I think people will really, really enjoy this next documentary. I've enjoyed it. Um, people will really enjoy it when it's released in a couple of weeks. And the year ahead, it's so defining for this generation yep. of players. We've well recounted India, hmm. the World Test Championship and yep. the Ashes. How big is the eight months ahead for your playing group? Enormous. Men and women too. Um, you know, our, our female players will be in South Africa for a World Cup. Um, then they'll be in the UK playing a, a test match against England, which will be absolutely wonderful. And then boys have got another World Cup at the end of the year in India so it's a it's a, it's a huge workload but it's a huge test too playing in different conditions um, against you know some of the best teams in different formats again will test us but that's when you sit around with the players that's what they play for to play against the best under the most pressure in the most difficult of circumstances and that's what they're about to get onto so um, whilst this test is important clearly uh, it's a good starter the real stuff the big stuff the big testing piece will come in the next few months. Todd, it's been great to catch up right across the summer, so thank you for that. And, uh, and we'll see what comes next. Hopefully we'll see you somewhere around the world as, uh, as well as back here on Home And soil. enjoy having the Prime Minister. I'm happy to be the support act for the Prime Minister <laughs> before he comes in. So thanks for having me again. Cheers. Good stuff. Todd Greenberg is the Chief Executive of the Australian Cricketers Association.